So we're looking tonight at the sword of the Spirit. We're going to take a look at the topic of speaking the Word. It seems that sometimes we're more effective at it than others. We're going to take a look at why that was and what Paul has in mind here when he talks about this sword of the Spirit. We're going to start off, though, with a short review. You can just kind of listen on this, and once we finish them all, I will write it up and give it to you. But um, I just wanted to give you a nice review and uh, that's short and concise that we can kind of keep it in mind a little bit more. But when we started this looking at the pieces, we talked about what battles have been lost because we left the truth. And that spiritual warfare is against spiritual powers that use people, thoughts, and natural things against us. But the truth, the world hates the truth. Kingdom of darkness hates the truth, and that draws up the battle line. So the belt of truth draws a battle line and brings attention upon us in the difference between truth and deception while keeps keeping other pieces of armor in place or effective. The enemy tries to corrupt the truth we hear or reject the truth we have and keep us from growing in more. Churches teach little or weak word and ministers entertain instead of teach. Believers reject strong stands and opt for toleration and conformity. No battles, no victories. And that's where this, the belt of truth is important. Second is the breastplate of righteousness, which assures us of our right standing with the Father and our qualifications to be using the spiritual weapons to victory. The enemy looks to pull us into condemnation, self-righteousness, unforgiveness, and shake us from our stand of authority and position of over his head. This shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to be prepared and ready to take the light of God's world, word into the camps of the kingdom of darkness. The enemy tells us that we are not ready to proclaim or defend the gospel and unprepared for the world's questions so we don't go into all the world. The shield of faith, our line of defense against the enemy's thoughts, worries, and fears. Tells us that the shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one, which means there would be nothing left for any other piece of armor. So the shield of faith is what is our defense against thoughts, worries, and fears. The distraction of the gospel of uh, the shoes of peace that people try and say this is helpful, this is not. Because the shield of faith is all we need. Same thing with the helmet of salvation. If the shield of faith stops all the fiery darts of the evil, evil one, there's nothing left for the helmet. So we look more at the helmet of salvation as our identification in the army of God to friend and foe. And I put this note on here, possibly our place in it. Daryl was kind enough to bring up some of those pictures of the different rankings that are there. And the Roman helmet was given to demonstrate rank. And as it was given to demonstrate rank, could we also be receiving our assignment in the kingdom of heaven through the helmet of salvation? It's not something that we pick. It's something that we receive. 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So the commander of the army gives us our place. And when we are given, when the Romans were given their helmet, that was giving them their place in the army. But it also was their identification. 
Romans 1 and 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The enemy tries to get us to be ashamed of the things that the Word of God teaches, of the stands the Word of God takes, and tries to get us to conform and lessen our gospel so that the gospel that we preach is not the gospel of the kingdom, but something else. But we stand on the helmet of salvation. We identify with the army of God for all the things that it stands for and all the things that it is. So in Ephesians here, let's read over our verses. We started at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So the armor of God is what causes us to stand. We don't stand after we have done everything. The armor of God is what is causing us to make our stand. Verse 14, Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Many times we are spending a whole lot of time to get our faith ready to face our financial battles, to face our health battles, to face the things that we need in life, but how much preparation are we putting in to being ready to give the defense of the gospel or to give a witness of the gospel? That needs to be our, uh, one of our foremost things that we go after. And certainly it was for Paul. He went into a new city. He went in and he preached the gospel. He went in and he found something that they had in common. Philip was called by God. Go up to that man. He goes up to that man. He begins to ask questions. Philip's ready with the answers. He's ready to, to do it. He was prepared. We need to make sure that we prepare ourselves, not just for faith battles that involve us, but faith battles that involve the kingdom and to take the gospel out to the world that, that needs it. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, or basically in front of all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then we came to verse 17 last week. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we spent a good bit of time on that word take to show you that it is better translated receive than take. And I went through and found uh, some, even some obscure translations, but I wanted to, to find some translations that did, did translate it this way. The first one I came to was the LSB. I'll bet that's a new one for you. The Legacy Standard Bible. Also, this is how it translates, also, receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Worrell New Testament, I have used that on a few times. I actually have a copy of it in my office. And receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The 20th century New Testament, you've heard me quote from that a number of times. I like that one. And receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the message of God. Here's one I had never even heard of before. Alfred Henry, New Testament. And receive the helmet of salvation. I couldn't find that anywhere online. I only found it in the uh, one volume I have called 26 Translations of the New Testament. And they just try and show you different parts where it's different ones where it's different. And they had put, put that one in there. Then Young's literal translation. And the helmet of 
the salvation received and the sword of the Spirit, which is the saying of God. So there is one, two, three, four, five different translations, all who opt for the word receive, which I still think is a much better translation than take because it is something that we receive. I receive my rank in the kingdom. I receive what the salvation message is. I don't make it. There's a lot of people out there in the Christian church that are trying to make the message of salvation. Well, we don't think this is so much for today. Uh, if it's in the Word of God, if the Word of God said this is how it is, then it's for today. And we believe that here. Others do in other places as well. But we receive that. But here it's also saying, and receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So there's also receiving on the sword of the Spirit. That word receive seems to act on both the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit as not a take, but a, as, as a receive. So we want to take a look at what the sword of the Spirit is. When I looked over my notes for the last time that we went over this, uh, I didn't have to change too much on that one. It was uh, pretty good, but I did add some other things in it that uh, we'll see in the, in the end as we look at it through Scripture. But here the sword is from the Greek word makaira or makairon. It is, the, it is a shorter sword. It is not a super long sword. And I've heard different descriptions on it, but one thing that does seem to be consistent is that it's uh, sharp on both sides. Some describe it as having a bit of a curl on the end or somehow being uh, not quite as straight, but then I've also seen some demonstrations, some pictures of it that show it as a completely straight blade. But the idea that I've heard that they had in battle was that they would take this sword and it was not designed, it was not intended, they were not trained to fight with it and swing it side to side so as to cut into the body because you couldn't really dis, uh, dismember your body or end your, your um, enemy by doing it that way. They had too much armor to get through. The idea of it was to go with a stabbing motion. And so they would go with the stabbing motion, turn it, and then pull it back out. By doing so, you did not have to go into the body very far, but you would grab some of the intestines, some of the things from inside the body, and pull them out. And that would be enough to uh, end your enemy. So that was the idea of it. it. was not to cut through. It was not to cut off. It was the idea was to thrust in, twist, and then pull back out. And so this is the things that, that they were, were trained to do. I did hear that quite often, but I have not really seen a real good depiction of it most of the depictions I see are in a, were in a straight one. I watched Rick Renner's thing on the Sword of the Spirit, and he just had a straight one, a little, little demo model that he got was just a, a straight one like that. So, it's, uh, as we said, the idea was to puncture and create a fatal wound because their goal here is to stop the enemy. They didn't just want to hurt them, they wanted to stop them. So that is what the sword is. When he's looking at the, the sword in the soldier that was sitting there next to him, he was seeing this, this uh, particular sword, this Makaira sword. It then says, and take the helmet of, or receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So it, the sword is of the spirit. It is a spiritual sword. The spirit is behind the power of the sword. It is the sword of the Spirit. Now we, uh, we see that, we'll jump ahead here on this one, but the word therefore, which is the word of God, is not logos. Logos is written, 
This particular word is rhema, which is the spoken. So Jesus is the word, and the word became flesh. And as Jesus is the word, the spirit is the rhema. So Jesus is more the logos. Spirit is the rhema, the, the spoken word. It is not what we know or what we memorize, but what the Spirit gives us. Yeah, that's the uh, example you got too, is just a straight blade. Yeah, I even heard some people describe this as a curved blade. I didn't see that at all, but most of the descriptions I heard said there was something on the end that caused it that when you twisted in the body and came back out, it would grab hold of parts of the inside of the body and pull them out. <laughs> I searched for a little while too. I didn't find uh, too much for me on that one. But this is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that is behind it. Jesus is behind the Word. The Spirit is behind the sword that, that is spoken here. That which is uh, said, that's what, which is spoken. So it is not what we know or memorize, but what the Spirit gives to us. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is what the Spirit of God will give to us, not necessarily what is written, but what is spoken. And that's an important thing for us to, to see and to understand in this. So, and receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this is the part that has confused some people. The word here is rhema. It is spoken word. It is not written word. Lagos in Greek is the written word. Rhema is the spoken word. This is referring to the word that God speaks, not just that which is written. It is as it's not the word lagos. So to be effective with the sword, you must turn what God has written into what God has spoken. You must turn what God has written into what God has spoken. And that is a step that too many Christians miss. They quote what God has written, but they do not have what God has spoken. And so we'll give you some clarity on that on this you know that when we study the word of god we are dependent on the holy spirit to give us insight to open up our eyes and that many times we have studied the word we have looked at the word and we have seen it but then all of a sudden our eyes are opened up the spirit of god speaks something to us about that word and oh now i understand that now i see that see you just got a rhema word on a logos word so I, I've had the Lagos word here. I can see what God said. And I understand that as far as my, uh, my uh, spiritual ability is to understand it. But then all of a sudden God comes in and he speaks to me. The Holy Spirit speaks understanding revelation. to Ah, now I see that. Now I can see where this can go. Brother Hagen would talk about this in his book when he came upon Mark eleven twenty three and 24. That he read that. He read it over. He read it over. He read it over. But then one day... The Spirit of God spoke some things to him. It's not that the Spirit of God just finally got ready. Sometimes we're just finally ready to hear. And he heard insight into this. And you can read about it in his book. He'll describe all those, those things. I believe I believe in visions covers that. But there, there are some other places that will cover that as well. He got the rhema word on it. He got the spoken word. He got the spoken revelation on it. And then his speaking changed in its power. And this is what has to happen for us. There are many times that we say what other people have done. Well, people say, well, I've used this scripture and I stood on this. They may quote Psalm 91. I may quote Psalm 91, Psalm 91 the same way they do. But I don't have the revelation of it. I'm just reading what's, what's there. There's many people, you can hear some 
I got to correct, I get cracked up sometimes with some of the politicians who read the Bible and speak some things, and some media people who read the Bible and speak some things about it, and they say some stuff, and they just have a head knowledge, and they just come up with conclusions. You know, judge not, lest ye be judged, and so we're nobody's supposed to judge anymore. They haven't gotten a rhema word on that. They have, the Spirit of God has not spoken to them as to what that actually means and what it's speaking about, and they don't have any other scriptures they can compare it to. So they just accept that and go. But you have to get to the place where you stay with that scripture, you meditate on that scripture, and then God speaks some things, or I'm able to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking about that. Ah, now I see what that is saying. Oh, that makes sense to me now. And see, you just energized what was the Lagos word with power, and it became the rainbow word. It's still what is written, but now you have what God spoke to you about what is written, and what is written takes on new power. Because now I can speak this. Now when I go through the scripture, and it says that he has delivered me, that he has set me free. I, I just read that, well, he's delivered me, he set me free. But then all of a sudden I come to a place where, oh, he delivered me. Oh, he set me free from sickness and disease. Oh, he took the penalty. When I get the revelation of that, it takes on new meaning. And now I'm speaking it with different power. And this is what he's speaking about. He is not telling us that if I just say the Lagos word, that it will be a sword of the Spirit. It will be a sword of the Lagos. It would be a sword of what is written. But I have to turn that into a sword of the Spirit because the Spirit is the one who's going to speak to me. He's going to give me insight. He's going to give me revelation. You can hear the difference between people who just merely repeat the word and those who have the revelation of it and speak it. And this is where we need to get to if we're going to have this be the power that it needs to be. So, we got through that pretty quick because we've got to spend a whole lot of time here seeing this thing in action. There are a number of different places where we can see the sort of the spirit in action. One of those places is our future or our purpose. And um, I tried, I could have kept going on this because I, I just got excited looking at some of these. These are, these are some of the, the really fun ones to see. But you'll, you'll understand this when you see it. Matthew 4, verse 1. This is where most of our scripture references are going to come from. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All right, now when we look at this, we're seeing that Jesus is using the Lagos word. He's using the written word. But... He has revelation on this. Look at what he says here first. Now when the tempter came, verse 3, he said, if you are the Son of God. What part of Scripture told Jesus he was the Son of God? What Scripture did he read that told him he was the Son of God? There's a lot of Scriptures that talk about Messiah, but they didn't necessarily say that Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God. So what, where did he get the notion that he was the Son of God? That is a rhema word that was spoken. It, it bore witness to him at a very young age because we know that he was in the temple, got lost, and they came to him, did you not know I would be about my father's business? So he knew at that point the Spirit of God had witnessed to him, the Spirit of God had spoken to him, and he received that word, I am the Son of God. 
I am the manifested presence of God. And so the devil comes in and he begins to question the rhema word that Jesus had received. If you are the Son of God, do this natural thing and prove that, it, that you are. Do this, uh, do this very natural thing here. And so he says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What he's directing him to here is that there is more to life than just receiving physical substance. And the things that come from, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The rhema word is what gives us life. Too often we look at it, it's the Lagos word. And the Lagos word is good. The Lagos word, I don't want to take anything away from the written word, but until my eyes are open to revelation, to receive what the Lagos word is saying, it doesn't mean anything to me. I can be just like the disciples where Jesus would teach them things and they would say, well, I guess we forgot to bring bread. Or he would teach them on the third day I'll rise again and they're not hearing it. They're not hearing him being crucified. Even when it all happens and it unfolds, they're still not hearing it. So we can hear the Lagos word and not receive it and not get that understanding. This is one of the reasons why in the Word of God it says uh, it doesn't talk about taking the Lagos word. It talks about sending preachers. How shall they be how, how shall they hear unless they are sent? That the hearing was done through people under the anointing of God preaching the Word of God. Because there you get to the inspiration of the Spirit. As long as those people that are operating are under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get a rhema word for the people there. How many times have you listened to somebody, even now we can do it on YouTube and stuff, and you're listening to somebody and they're preaching a message and they answer a question that you have. You're sitting in a service and they get into something that you just really needed. That was the rainbow word that you needed. You were in the service and because you were in the service, you were where you needed to be. God was able to speak that thing to you and you were able to hear it. That is the rainbow word. And it will come through that. Sometimes the, reading the Lagos word does not always open our ears to it. I've told you this a number of times. I forget even who told it to me. But I know it's true. If I would much rather listen to a man or a woman anointed by the Spirit of God reading the Word of God than just read it myself. Because under that anointing, when, I'm, when I hear somebody, I'm listening to somebody and they're just reading the Word, it's just like my eyes are open to some things. Oh, I didn't see that before. But they read it and then I saw it. There's that anointing that, that comes there. And uh, we need to receive that. So, uh, these preachers who just don't want to have the Word of God in, they're, they're giving in to the kingdom of darkness because they're taking away the Lagos Word being read under the anointing and having that rhema word become empowered to some people because that's one level of it. So here Jesus is having his, uh, his future or his purpose challenged by the devil in this temptation. If you are the Son of God, prove it. I don't need to prove anything to you really. And so he just went on. I, I, I know myself. I don't care if you know it or not. I know it myself. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God. Again, we're questioning that purpose. We're questioning why he's here. 
We're questioning his future. If you are the Son of God. He's challenging again that rainbow word. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. So he's going to throw some Lagos word out there too. <laughs> this is what it says. But you see, there's no power in the Lagos word that he says, that the devil says. Because he just speaks what the, the words say. There's no power to it. And if Jesus were to follow after his inspiration, there's no power to that. There's power in what Jesus says because he has that inspiration, that enlightenment that the Spirit gives into what the Lagos means. He doesn't know what the Lagos means because he's using it incorrectly. And so Jesus sets them straight on this. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So don't throw that out at me because you're getting the wrong meaning because over here, this will tell you, we, we, uh, we, we can uh, put parameters around what it is that you're trying to say. You're trying to operate outside those parameters. So I know what the revelation of that scripture is and that doesn't me measure up with what you are saying. But see, this is where a lot of Christians are. They'll just throw out verses. They'll just speak out things that are there. They don't know necessarily what they mean. They haven't become alive to them yet. But if you stay in the Word and you get into the Word, you keep mulling over it, you keep speaking that Word out, eventually you're going to get to a spot where the light gets turned on. Ah, now I see. Now I can understand this. It'll turn what you're speaking into a sword of the Spirit and give it a lot more power. Now the devil will try and corrupt Scripture which is why we have to rightly divide the word, comparing one to another. Keith Moore made that uh, comparison some time ago. I love the comparison. He said, if you're going to divide Scripture, if you're going to divide numbers, you've got to divide a number by another number. You can't divide a, a, a number by itself. Just have one number. You can't divide. You've got to have at least two numbers. They could be the same number, but you've still got to have two numbers, three numbers. You've got to have numbers in there in order to make the division possible. In order to divide Scripture, you've got to compare Scripture to Scripture. All right, I have this Scripture. Now let me look at the rest of Scripture, what I had to say about this, and so we can divide the Scripture and understand it right. The devil doesn't do that. That's not his goal. His purpose is not to have revelation knowledge of the Scripture. His purpose is to make Scripture say what he wants it to so that you will do what he wants instead of what God wants. And Jesus is not going to go after that. Again, the devil took him up, verse 8 on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now here's the purpose. He's, one of the things he has come for was to take this authority back, take these, these kingdoms back. I'm going to give you a shortcut. I'm going to give you a way to get in there and get this done. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So if I were to do what you say to do, I would go against this scripture. I'm not going to go against that scripture. Because I know what the scripture says. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Jesus had asked his disciples, you remember this story? Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say a prophet, some say... Elijah, different things they, they came up with. Well, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven came through the Spirit. He got the rhema word on that. 
and he spoke it. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, we told you before, when the devil uses or comes against us, it comes against us with something close to us. We spent a good bit of time on that, uh, that word in the passage that we've been looking at here in Ephesians. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. This is someone that's close to Jesus. You don't, we don't want you talking about this. But he turned to him and said, Get behind me, Satan. And didn't care about offending him. He just, he just spoke this to him. So he's trying to speak revelation about the word they had received and they're not hearing it because they're, they've gone off in a, in a wrong direction. He says, you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men. I'll tell you, that's true of an awful lot of Christians. We get more mindful of the things of men than the things of God. I'm more mindful of my financial needs that I need to meet. I'm more mindful of my physical healings that I need to, to obtain. I'm more mindful of the things that God needs to do for me instead of the kingdom. And a lot of times our prayers can be focused around those things. Matthew twenty six sixty two. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is these, these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now they're trying to put pressure on him to uh, speak something that might be true, but they can misunderstand so that they can therefore go and use that against them. And Jesus speaks to them some truth about what is the future, about what is to come. Of course, they don't hear it. And they try and uh, ridicule him for this. There's always going to be pressure on you from people but it's a, spiritual, it's a spiritual pressure. It's a supernatural pressure. It is spiritual warfare that when God speaks to you the, the, the things that are to come, your purpose, His plan for you, when He speaks those things to, to you and you begin to say them, there are people who are going to come against you. There are people who will try and get you to, to squash that. But Jesus kept speaking it. In Acts chapter 16, verse 16, now it happened as, a, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now, Paul may have known that this was a person who was inspired by the evil one. He probably picked up that she's not, she's not filled with the Spirit of God, but she's filled with the wrong spirit. Probably picked that up. But he didn't have anything but the Lagos as far as what this is concerned. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God spoke something to him, and he got that down in his spirit. It would seem, because he had been listening to this for all these days, but now he turns to her, and suddenly he says, Cast, and cast out the, the, the spirit. 
something happened. He was spoken something. See, that was the rhema word that came. Now, it caused all kinds of problems here, and uh, riots ensued, and, and bad things happened. And you could probably look at that and say, well, why in the world did we, uh, did we speak that? Why in the world did we say that? It has done nothing but cause problems. But the Spirit of God gave him that. When the Spirit of God gave him that, he spoke it. And just because the Spirit of God gives you something doesn't mean it's going to make matters great. It may make them worse. But that's okay. The belt of truth draws up a battle line. You hold on to what is true. And there's a battle line that is there. And there's very often that these battle lines are what brought victory. And eventually there will be a victory that is brought here for the church. But it uh, came at some suffering. Now I like this one because this is a situation that shows when you are praying for another situation, another person's situation. So another person is involved in something and you're praying for them. You can get a rhema word for them as you are praying for that other person. We think a lot of times about this happening for things in my own life, but you can get a rhema word as you are making prayers for someone else. The Spirit of God can speak things to you. And so we see that here in this, when they're going through in the boat and they have the battle with the, with the storm. Verse 21, we're picking up here in the middle of the story. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Well, see, back then he had the, the perception that something was going to go wrong. He just perceived it. He spoke it out as perceived it. It wasn't necessarily a rhema word. It was a perception. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, uh, I'm sorry, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, if we spent time, we could really get into this whole story and see the difference between the Lagos word and the Rhema word. But I'll just uh, uh, tap into some of your knowledge that you have on uh, what's going on. We're coming up on the book of Acts in our chapter today. That's going to be uh, coming up, up again. So when we get to that, you can think about that as you're reading through it. But why, if, if one of the Christians brought up in a charismatic, Pentecostal, full gospel type of a church was on this ship, how many do you think that when the storm first approached would be on the bow of the storm or on the, on the ship and commanding that storm, storm, I command you in the name of Jesus to be gone. You probably would have been doing that. And how many times have we stood out there against storms that were coming up and to uh, speak against them? I, just as Jesus got up in the bow of his boat and he spoke to that storm, peace be still, I speak to this storm, peace be still. Now, sometimes those storms just don't go away. They're still right there. But you see, Jesus had something different that was going on in that situation, and so does Paul here. What we learn from Paul is Paul was in facing this storm for days and did nothing. He did not stand up on the bow of the ship. He did not make declarations of faith. 
He did not make declarations and say, this storm will pass. We are all safe. Because he knew the word of God was, don't go. They disobeyed the word of God. He knew we shouldn't be here. We are in a place that we're not supposed to be. So he doesn't jump up on the boat. But as he's praying and as he's seeking God, all of a sudden, that rhema word comes to him. He has a visit. And in that visit, the angel speaks to him. Let's read over what he said again. Do not be afraid, Paul. He's speaking to him. Not anybody else in the boat. He's speaking to, to Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So apparently, in the words that the angel spoke, gave him some instructions on this. And we know from the rest of the story that some of them were going to put down the, the uh, little lifeboat and they were going to try and make a run for it or that. And Paul said, no, you don't. Don't you do that. This is what the Word of God said. This is what we need to do. We need to follow what the Rhema Word was. So they decided, you know what? We better believe them. <laughs> so they cut it loose, and it was dashed into pieces, and they uh, stayed with what Paul had said to do. But in that Rhema Word that he gave to him, God said, I grant you all those that sail with you. So apparently in prayer, Paul does not say, in the name of Jesus, I claim all these lives on this boat that we're all safe. He didn't do that. He's asking God, God, I know we shouldn't be out here. I know we shouldn't be on the water. You gave it to me. I didn't have a choice. I'm the prisoner being brought before Caesar. You know that. You know that I didn't have a choice. If I had a choice, I would have listened to you and we would be back over there and not have gone. But I didn't have that choice. I spoke up about it, but I'm here. Now, because I'm here and I need to get to there, then I pray, I ask right now that we get through this storm and that everybody on this boat is say, I'm asking you for everyone on this boat. And so the message comes, Paul, I've granted it to you. See, if you can't grant something to someone that they didn't ask for. So Paul must have been asking, not demanding, asking. And the angel comes and he speaks to him. Now with that, Paul gets up and he speaks to them. He says, this is how it's going to be, guys. See, he's got a lot more power into this thing now. He still doesn't speak to the storm because that's not what the angel told him to do. That's not what the rainbow word was. That's sometimes what we would get as a logos word. That's just speak to the storm. That's what Jesus did. That's just do what he did. Let's, let's go with that. But they don't. He doesn't. He does what the angel of the Lord said. You have to do what the rainbow word comes to you to do. It may be different. Not every rainbow word is the same. He may tell one, do it this way, another one, do it that way. But if I imitate what somebody else got in a rainbow word and expect the same power, I, it's not going to work the same way. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is here for spiritual battles. Here's another one, Revelation on Scripture. Of course, we already covered this one, Daniel, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. We talked about it before. I am absolutely positive this is not the first time he read these things from Isaiah. 
He had read them before, but something happened on this time. He's reading it through, and he got a rhema word on it. The Spirit of God spoke to him some things about this word. Oh, now I see what's going on here. He had read it before, but it was nothing more than a Lagos word. It was nothing more than what was written in the pages. But then the Spirit of God spoke some things to him. When it did, he then changed his prayer. And we know the rest of the chapter, he begins to pray and to make supplication. And the moment that he prayed, the answer is sent. But his eyes are open. His prayer is empowered with that rhema word. Here's a great example of this. And you might think it, it, it's stretching something in the beginning, but you'll see here that it's, I don't, at least I don't believe that it is. Verse 25, Mark chapter 5. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, she did not act on a Lagos word, did she? But we act on the Lagos word on the very same thing that she, had, she did. She heard about Jesus. Well, we have now in our Lagos word what she heard about Jesus. That people had just come up and touched the hem of his garment and were healed. Because that happened before her incident. So she heard about Jesus. You mean people just came up and touched the hem of his garment? People just came up and touched him on the, and, and healing power came out? Yeah. So if I sneak in and just touch the hem of his garment, she got a rhema word on that. The Spirit of God spoke to her, enlightened her. She got enthused about it. And we've talked about what she faced. Many people were probably telling her, this is not going to work for you. You pursued things before. It hasn't happened. It hasn't gone that way. It's not going to go that way this time. Stop getting your hopes up. But she kept going out there and she kept saying, for she said, and actually some, uh, some of the Greek puts it that she kept saying, she kept saying, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She did not think it. She said it. She spoke it out of her mouth. She said it. It was a rhema word that came to her and she spoke that rhema word out so that when she came and she touched the hem of his garment, Jesus stopped what he was doing. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. See, she had faith in that word, but it was a spoken word. It came up in her spirit. This is what's going on. I heard about Jesus. She didn't just imitate what they said. She got a revelation. She got, this can work for me. I can do this. I can see myself doing it. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know this is what's going to happen. She got that rainbow word on this. There's a lot of people, they won't spend the time to get that rainbow word. They won't speak that rainbow word out and have people say things against that rainbow word and still hold on to it. Oh, I guess I can't do this. Oh, no, they're telling me all these things that we can't do that. Now, there's also sometimes a word is spoken to you as an assignment. In Genesis 22, 7 and 8, But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now this is a great example of Abraham speaking a rhema word. Because he has the word from God, through Isaac, your seed will be blessed. Through Isaac, this is where the promise is coming. This is where the blessing is coming. It's through Isaac. So he knows it's through Isaac. This is the guy. So he, he sees that and then the word of God says, Hey, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice him. But he still has that rainbow word. Through Isaac, this is, this is where the blessing, through Isaac, this is where the blessing is coming from. This is the promised child. And so when, he, when God tells him that, he gets up the early the next morning. They saddle up. They head on out. And uh, Isaac's kind of a li- little uh, bewildered at all this. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, I, see the, I see the fire. I see the wood. I don't see the land. And out of his mouth, he speaks, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. He spoke it. That's a rainbow word that he spoke. And the power of that rhema word has impacted generations. Because God provided a ram at that time. We all know the story. There was a ram caught in the thicket. But the lamb would come. The lamb would be the lamb of God. Jesus. That would be the one. That was a rainbow word that he spoke. He didn't speak, speak words of doubt and unbelief. He didn't just go out there crying and complaining. But God, you said that through Isaac I would be blessed. He said, God has to raise him up from the dead. He'll do it. I wrote in your outline for you, Silas. Uh, this one doesn't uh, jump out of you quite, a, quite as much, but Silas, we know he had um, been part of the party that went to Jerusalem to get the question answered with Paul. And so he had gone there with him, and so he, had, he stayed on with Paul. He had continued on, and so he's back over there, and after the rest of the group had gone on back home, he stayed on with Paul, and when it turned out that Paul no longer had a partner, no longer had someone to go out with him, Silas was ready. And Paul came and approached him and said, Silas, will you go out with me and be my partner? Barnabas, we're, we're going two different directions now. Will you come? Silas says, yep. So he heard the leading of God to go with Paul. He heard the leading of God to stay with Paul when everybody else in the team went back over to Jerusalem. He stayed there with them, and then he, he said, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm here for, but the Spirit of God said to stay, so I'm staying. And then when that invitation came, hey, will you come with me and go with me on this? He went with them. And the first place we went that they had gone to, you know, it didn't go so well. They didn't have a great success on on that first spot, and they ended up getting beaten and thrown into prison. And uh, in the midnight, Paul and Silas are singing and giving praises to God. Now, Silas could have spoken out of all kinds of things. But he said, no, I got, the, I got a rainbow word. Somewhere in there, God spoke to him. This is where I want you. And he didn't complain. He didn't hotter. He didn't get scared off like John Mark did. He stayed with it because he had a rainbow word on this. God spoke to him. I want you to go with Paul. I want you to help him out in the things that he's going to go out there and do. And so Silas did. He became a great person on the side of, of Paul. Now, let's take a look at some unused 
swords. Some people who didn't use their sword. Abraham makes this list. When he came to Canaan, and there was a famine. Remember the word of God came to him? Go to a land that I will show you. God didn't say, go to a land that I will show you. If there's a famine there, go on down to Egypt. He said, go to a land that I will show you. And God was going to bless him there. He didn't follow that word. He didn't speak out of the rhema word. that was. He was given a rhema word. God spoke to him. He got stalled up there in the, uh, the first stop, waiting for uh, different things. His father dies. And so then they pick up and they go the rest of the way, but he takes his nephew with them. And they get on down there, they find a famine. Well, I guess we'll go down to Egypt. They got food down there. And so they go on down. Egypt didn't go very well for them. He thought he was going to be killed. When he came to Egypt, they thought they might kill him because of his wife. He didn't speak things out of the rainbow word. God, you said that you would bless me. I thank you that I can go wherever I need to go and there's food and the people are not going to kill me. But he didn't speak out of these things. He spoke out of fear. He spoke out of the things that the devil put on. See, his shield had gone down and thoughts came into him. If you stay in this land, you're going to die. What good are you to God if you die? His shield was down. And those thoughts came in. And so then he, he, he uh, let go of the rainbow word that he had. He let go of the word that God had spoken to him. And he went on. But that was earlier on. He grew in that. And he wasn't going to let that go when Isaac came up. The passage we had just looked at. Now Moses could have spoken words from what God said to him at the burning bush. God spoke to him some words at the burning bush. Moses could have spoken words from what God had said to him, what God revealed to him, what God opened up his eyes to see. But he didn't do that. If he would have, he wouldn't have given in to the, the fear, the discouragement, when they first approached Pharaoh, and Pharaoh got mad and decided to punish the children of Israel, and then the children of Israel complained to him, and it wasn't going so well. He got discouraged. He said, you know, I'm... I'm no good at this. God, I told you I was no good at this. I don't know why you had me come. I told you this is something I could do. He's ready to throw in the towel. He's not speaking out of that rhema word. So he took his sword and he put it aside. He had a rhema word. He had the words that God spoken to him. Look, you're going to go out there. I'm going to be with you. This is what we're going to do. He's not going to let him go right away. It's going to take us a few plugs to get, get him there. But when he finally gets there, he's going to send them gladly. He's going to pay them to leave. But he didn't speak out of that. The ten spies, they could have spoken words from what God had said and promised about bringing them into the promised land. Instead of letting what they saw bring them into doubting God's word. They knew they had 430 years to meditate on what God had said. I will bring you back into this land. That's what God had told them. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I will bring you back into this land. And you will remove the inhabitants of this land. He had spoken that to them. But they decided not to speak out of the rhema word that was given to them. Instead, they spoke out of what they saw. Their shields were down. Thoughts came in. You're grasshoppers in their sight. You are small in their sight. They're going to squash you. You have no ability to stand up against these people. And they no longer spoke out of the rhema word. But Joshua and Caleb, they used the sword. We are well able to go against these people. 
Their defenses are down. God has taken their defense. We, we can go in there and we can knock these guys out because God said so. God promised that. They're speaking out of the rhema word. They're speaking out of the word that God had spoken to them, that God had revealed to them. But you see, these other guys, all it was, it was a Lagos word. It was written, and they thought, well, it's just going to happen because we're, it was said. And when they got there, they found out, oh, no, it's not quite what we wanted, not quite what we, what we imagined. There's some big giants in here. We've got to knock these guys out. They're not going to speak out of that because it's not a rhema word to them. It's just a Lagos word. Well, God said he would do this, but at the first mention of any opposition, just like they were going through the wilderness. Well, God said he's going to do this as soon as we don't run out of water. Well, we're going to die. Because it was a Lagos word, it wasn't a rhema word. It was a written word. They knew what, was, what God had said. It was a word from the past, but they hadn't gotten revelation on it. Joshua and Caleb, they spent time and they got revelation on it. They understood that as a rhema word. It became life in them. It was just words. Every time the children of Israel faced a problem, no water, no food, enemies, whatever it was, they immediately went to the place, oh, we're going to die. Oh, why did, why did we have to come out here? Were there no graves in Egypt that God brought us out here? Oh, we're going to die. Ten spies could have spoken words from what God had said, what God had promised, but they didn't. Saul could have spoken words from God's command through the prophet instead of giving in and bringing back the best of the land. The prophet said, I want you to go out there. This is the word from God. This is the rhema word for you. Go out there and annihilate them. I want you to kill every man, woman, child, livestock, king. I want you to kill them all. And they brought back all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I've obeyed the Lord. <laughs> what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? Well, we brought back you know, just some of the best of the land to make sacrifices to God. No, you had a rhema word and you decided not to go out because it hadn't become light to you. You didn't meditate on it. It hadn't become light to him. Jeroboam, he could have spoken what God said to the temptation to leave God and lead the nation into idolatry. He could have spoken to that. He could have spoken right out of that rhema word that was given to him. Jeroboam, I will make of you a great um, uh, enduring kingdom. I will make of you an enduring kingdom just like I did for David. If you will follow after my ways. If you will do as I command, I will do the same thing for you that I did for David. And when he takes the throne, temptation comes in, leave this, go after, the, go after idolatrous worship, he goes after it, he sets up the golden calves, makes priests of anyone that he wants to, and changes everything. He could have spoken out of the rhema word that he was given, but he didn't. The disciples could have spoken what Jesus taught when they faced temptation to doubt and run from Jesus when he was taken. They could have spoken out of what Jesus said. Well, you know, guys, he said he would be tried, he would be beaten, he would be crucified. He said this, but he said he would raise him the third day. He, they could have spoken out of that, but they didn't do it. Put this in your outline for you. When confronting the enemy... Our goal is not to just speak the Lagos word we know, but to receive and speak the rhema word given to us. You've got to take that Lagos word. You've got to get that revelation on it. God's got to speak to you. It's got to become light to you. 
then it has the power. Could be through revealed understanding of Scripture like with Daniel. Could have been something like that. But until I receive the revelation of the meaning and application, I can only speak what the word seems to mean on the surface or what understanding I may have been taught. We've been taught some understanding on some scripture. And I cannot go in the operation of what I've been taught, but it's not turned on, it's not light to me just yet. There is some power in this, but the greater power is when I receive that revelation, that word that the Spirit of God speaks to me. Could be a revelation given by the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, when Jesus came to him, he had a revelation by the Holy Spirit. This is the Son of God who takes away, or the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. He had that revelation. When he baptized him, the Spirit of God came down upon him. He saw that, but then later on in prison. Is he really the guy? He could have been speaking out of the rainbow word that he had, but he didn't. Jesus, when he had this situation with Lazarus, he spoke out of the rhema word that was given because he had not come into contact with anyone. They said, Lazarus is sick. Come and pray for him. He had not received any other news, but in his spirit, he had a rhema word. Lazarus is going to die, but you're going to go and raise him. He had that word. He had that rhema word. The spirit of God spoke that to him. He knew this is what we're going to do. And he spoke it to his disciples. I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. Let's go. We go to raise him up. So they went. He spoke out of that word that he was given. It was a revelation given by the Holy Spirit. It could be a word spoken in a dream or a vision. Mary had a uh, visitation from the angel. Joseph had dreams. Paul had that angel who showed up on the, on the ship. But they were given them some things. They had to take what was given them in that revelation, what was spoken to them, and they had to bring it about. Zacharias didn't, didn't quite do so well with that, but eventually he came around. It could also come, be God's revealed will and purpose for your life, and calling just as it was with Paul and Jesus and the examples we gave you that there. But whatever it is, whatever one of these areas it's in, Get the rhema word. Let God speak to you about what the written word is saying. Let God speak to you, not just about the written word. Let God speak to you. He's going to give you insight. He's going to speak things to you like Brother Hagin when he was uh, young. Teach my people faith. That was a rhema word that was given to him. Brother Keith Moore, he talks about what he was given. Help Brother Hagin. <laughs> Other people have, have, uh, have gone out. And, and preach these things or, or going off on different uh, inspirations that God had given. Oral Roberts, he had inspiration from God on, on what he was supposed to do and he operated within that to, to do. There's others who came up, they had received a purpose, a ministry, a calling, something that they were supposed to do. God gave that to them and they operated within it. And as long as they operated within it, they, they saw that power. But things would come against them. When it did, you're supposed to speak out of that, that rhema word that God has given us. You can get a rhema word on the things that you need. You can get a rhema word on what your future and purpose is. You can get a rhema word on scripture and understand it better so that you can, you can speak it out. 
and deal a mortal wound to the enemy. You can receive uh, a rainbow word even through a vision, a dream, visitation that some people have done. These things can come. When they come, they come with power. Even if it's just that still small voice that speaks on the inside of you, that is a rhema word. You've got to take that word and you've got to speak out of it. It's not going to be contrary to what the written word has said. It's not going to be contrary to the nature and the um, personality or the uh, characteristics of God. It won't be contrary to that. It'll be in line with it. But you've got to follow after these purposes. You've got to follow after that. The sword of the Spirit is not just going around quoting the Word of God. It's understanding what the Word says, what revelation the Spirit of God spoke to you, because what He has spoken to you is something you are going to be needing. The Word of God that we spent on, it's not take the helmet of salvation. It is receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. I don't take them. I receive them. These are two pieces of the armor that you received. This is a different word from all the other words he used. I've received the helmet of salvation. I've received the word, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the spoken word of God. I receive it. God's ready to speak it to me. He's ready to give it. I need to be in a position. I need to be in a place. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to hear that, and I'm going to operate in it. Father, we thank you for the things that you speak to us. I thank you for the things that you have spoken to us, the things you will continue to speak to us. We give you the praise and the glory for it. For we know that when we have that rhema word, that spoken word that comes to our spirit from you, that comes with power. That comes with a destructive force against the enemy. And the enemy hates it. He's going to do everything he can to neutralize that sword of the spirit, to get us to not function in it, to get us to doubt it, to get us to, to give in to the pressure of the people that are around us. Father, we can stand and we can continue to use that sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I think I got all your blanks. Any comments? Or I missed something? What did I miss? Eh, my numbers are different from yours. Yeah, I know. There's no other other way to tell it. I'm just going to take me a... a, Oh, no, we're the same number on that one. Receiving revelation and forming what we speak from it is the sword of the Spirit. I guess I did forget to say that one. Receiving revelation and forming what we speak from it is the sword of the Spirit. Thank you. Sharon says, how does a person know for sure they have a word from God? Ah, my sheep know my voice. It's so important for us to get to know the voice of our shepherd. So there's many things, many things that, that we are being led in, many things that he will speak to us in. We've got to take advantage of those opportunities. We've got to take advantage of what he's, he's telling us. He may just say to us, go over here and speak to this person over here. Go over here and do this thing over here. It's through our obedience, through little things, that I become assured this is the voice of God. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. So that when something bigger comes in, and it's an assignment, something bigger comes in, it's revelation. That I know that's the same voice that I heard before. That's the same voice, the Spirit of God. 
We have to get to know his voice. It's so important that we know. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And the more that we are in the the sheepfold, the more we know his voice. So that's why all through our growing up process, we need to learn the voice of the Spirit. It's imperative that we as Christians learn that. Many Christians never learn to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit and will never have a sword of the Spirit. But they'll go around talking like they do. And they'll take some verses of Scripture and they'll throw it out there. But it's not, uh, it's not what we need to have. 